The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle, rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio, everyone. Glad that you could join us today. We have a terrific guest. Dr. Ron Dembo is the founder of an organization that you are going to want to check out as we speak. You're going to want to check out their website. It's, it's an organization called Zero Footprint. And if you go to their website, don't close this web browser. Keep listening to us on voiceamerica.com. Open a new tab in your web browser and go to www.zerofootprint.net. And there you're going to see two enterprises. The first is a software that can actually help any company, a community, any size enterprise calculate its carbon footprint. And and there's some other things we're going to talk about, some other services that Dr. Dembo's enterprise um, offers to its clients. But you're also going to see a great organization, the Zero Footprint Foundation. And we're also going to talk about some of the free things, the, the services and the tools that they can provide for schools, for homes. It's just very exciting. One of the things that has become such a mystery to us is as we read in the newspaper or favorite magazine or even just our, our internet news, everywhere we turn, we hear news about people trying to either calculate or reduce carbon emissions. But for the average person, it's kind of tough to get our arms around what is our carbon footprint, and what, how do we calculate it, and then what do we do with those numbers once we have it? Well, Dr. Dembo has created a very reliable and very easy-to-use method of getting our arms around what exactly our carbon footprint is, where it comes from, and best of all, how we can use that knowledge to take actions to reduce our carbon emissions. So welcome to Go Green Radio, Dr. Dembo. We are so glad to have you. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thanks, Jill. Well, I'd love to begin at the beginning, and I'd like for you to give our listeners a bit of a history lesson about where your enterprise, Zero Footprint, started, how and why it was formed. Basically, what was the void that you were looking to fill when you started Zero Footprint? It's, uh, it's actually a funny story. I was at a conference uh, two weeks after having sold my software company, and uh, it was the TED conference in California. And I was sitting together with some of the most uh, wealthy and successful tech entrepreneurs, and we were talking about the environment, and the whole conference was about the environment about five years ago. And um, it struck me, just as I was listening to them, that you know we have we have all these environmental problems, but nobody knows what their impact is. Uh, So, for example, in that particular conference, many people flew on private jets to be there. Mm. And in other words, you're going to save the world, but you're getting there by doing a lot of damage. (laughs) And just understanding um, how, how we impact the environment seemed to be an opportunity as well as a problem. You know, just simply measurement. 
Mm-hmm. So uh, that really brought together skills that I had in software and design. And uh, the idea was just to make our environmental footprint visible, our energy footprint visible, so as to really um, be able to compare amongst people and create change. So it essentially led to this idea, which is um, you know, the idea behind what everything we do, which is measure, then you're doing that because you want to compare, and you do comparisons because you want to change people's behavior. Right, right. Well, there are some people out there, and you know, we have a variety of different guests on Go Green Radio, and recently we've had some folks who were in the energy sector, and they will say that energy shortages are the most pressing issue of the 21st century, and that issue alone will shape our geopolitical picture, it will shape our standard of living, um, but then again, in the environmental world and in Copenhagen and similar gatherings, the focus seems to be on carbon emissions. What's the advantage, do you think, to having companies and different entities report on their carbon emissions and their water usage versus having them report on their energy usage? You know, we actually have two problems that we're talking about that are highly correlated. So the first problem is that in our atmosphere today, there's an exponentially increasing amount of carbon and more carbon than we've ever seen in all recorded history. So, uh, in, in other words, uh, in the last, in, in the history we can actually measure, which is the last million years. So, we have evidence to show that if, um, it's very clear that if there's a high concentration of carbon in the atmosphere, the Earth is going to heat up. And heating up doesn't mean that everything just automatically gets warmer. It means that you're going to see much more volatility, more more extreme events uh, as the world changes around us and a lot of disruption. So that's a serious problem. That's a problem that Al Gore talks a lot about. On the other hand, we have a very related problem, which is actually in part the cause of this greenhouse gas emissions, and that is energy. So uh, the world's growing, the wealth of the world is growing, the amount of we consume is growing, and to get that consumption, we need energy. So you could think of energy uh, as being um, a, necessary, uh, a necessary thing for creating food, for creating products. And that energy is usually produced and has been primarily produced with fossil fuels. Fossil fuels means fuels that contain carbon that have been buried in our ground for a long, long time. And so we dig deep oil wells, and you know we've seen the latest oil spill, and those oil wells have to be dug deeper and deeper as we run out of oil. And as we burn oil and coal, we release carbon into the atmosphere. And the more and more we do of that, the more the carbon problem gets exacerbated. Now, energy doesn't have to be carbon. If you took, if by some magical method, we got everybody to use solar energy, we could generate the energy we need without gener- generating it using carbon. Mm-hmm. So they don't have to be correlated, but they have been. So in the last 50 years, almost all um, increase in energy, you know, the exceptions are really hydro, hydroelectric power and nuclear. Um, 
both that energy, all the new energy happening in China and India, where the, most, the big growth is occurring, is actually coal-fired. Mm-hmm. And that brings a host of problems. In coal, you have mercury. When you burn coal, the mercury gets released in the atmosphere, goes into the food chain, the big fish eat the smaller fish, and eventually every tuna is a toxic animal. And, um, you, you know, so that's one aspect of environmental damage. The second aspect is that we grow the amount of carbon in the atmosphere. And if you saw a graph of how carbon's increasing, you would get very scared. So this is science. Uh, you know, one can't argue with this. You can argue with what impact it would have. Mm-hmm. So, um, so why are they correlated? Because what we've done is we've produced products that are carbon intensive. Uh, we don't know that because when you see a product, you don't know how much carbon was used to produce it. So, for example, you don't know that you know, just one pound of steak is, is a huge amount of carbon and a huge amount of water, too. It takes something like for one kilo, which is two and a quarter pounds, 15,000 liters of water. Oh, my word. To, to generate that, that one kilo of steak. Your jeans that you're wearing probably are around ten to 15,000 liters of water, each pair of jeans. So, you know, we don't see, we, we wear clothes and we might have six pairs of jeans in our closet. We only need one or two. And we don't know that each one of them is actually a huge environmental chunk. And up till now, in my lifetime, we've just completely disregarded the environment. So we build stuff. We don't pay any environmental cost for doing it. And so, um, you know, if you don't care if that jeans took 15,000 liters or 20,000 liters as long as it didn't cost you too much. Mm-hmm. So when now, we do how zero footprint will help to change that scenario. Well, one, imagine if um, imagine the following scenario. Imagine you, you're looking at a piece of paper now, probably. Imagine if you could magically see the tree that that came from. And you, you saw two pieces of paper on your desk, and one came from this beautifully managed, sustainable forest somewhere in northern Canada, and the other came from Borneo, from an illegally logged piece of raw, you know, prim, primordial forest. You would say, well, I don't want to do the Borneo one. I'd want, I'd want the sustainable one, if you knew that, but you don't. Right. If, you, if, you got, um, if you sat at the supermarket and you saw two beautiful tomatoes, and one was actually something like 10 grams of carbon to produce that tomato, and the other was 430 grams of carbon. I'm giving you real numbers now. Mm-hmm. Um, you might say, well, I'd rather have the one that only took 10 grams, all other things being equal, you know, nice red color, good taste, everything. And so in a world that's carbon-constrained, one where we're worried about the amount of carbon we produce, we're going to need to know how much carbon is in the products that we use. Um, so think of a tomato. There's a whole life cycle to a tomato. It starts with a seed, starts with the, the palm of, you know, plowing the field. As you plow the field, you release carbon. So if you plow it in a different way, you release less carbon. If you use what's called biochar, I can explain that. You might actually take carbon out of the atmosphere while you're actually planting. And then you supply it with water. Well, the water has to get to you. It needs to be treated. It needs to be pumped. It needs to be cleaned. It's, uh, you know, it uses other products that, that, that help keep it uh, sanitized. 
and so on. So in one little tomato is a long, long story, and at each step along the way is a, a carbon story. And so when you add all of that up, you can, you can look at two different ways of producing the same tomato, and the amount of carbon in it can be very different. So in a world where we measure carbon, we will produce products much more efficiently with respect to their carbon output. What do you think the possibility of consumer interface is with your product? I mean, I know that you know, you've got companies that uh, you know can really actually you know use the software for internal purposes, but in terms of you know customers being able to see that, uh, do you already have that built in, or is that something that companies will be able to choose to do? I mean, first of all, I think you're hitting on an interesting point here, which is um, mostly measurement's not that interesting to people. For example, if I told you your carbon footprint was 56 tons a year, it would be almost meaningless. What does that really mean? But if I told you your neighbor's carbon footprint, you know, who seems to be less green than you, is actually only 20 tons, you might get pretty concerned and say, "Well, well, how come? How do I get from where I am to it? If I told you that a Swede lives very well, has a longer life expectancy than most than Americans, uh, has better health coverage and so on, and yet has one-third of your footprint, you'd say, well, how can that be? I mean, it's not like they live in um, – it's not like they, they starve or, or are cold at night. And So, um, you know, it's just that they live more in, in a more environmentally friendly way. So, and I want to hear more about that. We've got to take a quick commercial break, but we're going to go right back to that very issue right after these quick messages. Folks, don't go away. We'll be right back with more Go Green Radio. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST. 
4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people, but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. Haiti has been hit hard by a deadly earthquake. Destruction is everywhere. Tens of thousands are feared dead and hundreds of thousands are homeless without food, water, and basic necessities. Save the Children is on the scene, but your support is urgently needed to help us save lives. Please give as much as you can now. Call 1-800-SAVE-THE-CHILDREN or go online at savethechildren.org. You can even donate $10 right now by texting the word SAVE from your cell phone to 20222. Please give now. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. So glad that you could join us. We're also very, very pleased and honored to have Dr. Ron Dembo, the founder of Zero Footprint. If you'd like to check out his website as we interview him and follow along, uh, there's just a wealth of information there, and I encourage you to open a new tab in your web browser and check out www.zerofootprint.net. Well, Dr. Dembo, we were talking about uh, this comparison in carbon footprint amongst different localities and different products before we went to commercial break. Tell us how it is that the software and the services that you provide through Zero Footprint offers uh, a combination of services that differ from your competition. There are other softwares out there that measure these types of uh, emissions and water use and things like that, although uh, I've not seen any as sophisticated as yours. But what will your clients experience that is superior to what they might experience if they were to contract with another service? I mean, apart from usual things like user experience, uh, we try to make that good and easy. Where we are focused is uh, is a little different. Our focus isn't on simply measuring or measuring for in order to meet regulatory requirements. Our entire focus, and that's true of our foundation as well as our software company, is on creating change and really creating massive change. So we look at, at ideas and measurements that could lead to massive change. Let me give you an example of one of those. Imagine if every school in the country um, were able to see its footprint and compare it to every other school in the country. And uh, you know, even compare it on the basis of uh, some normalized value like the footprint per student or the footprint per square foot. Uh, you, what you would actually see, and we actually see this, we can take you to a product that does this today, um, you would see that, that huge differences between schools. 
And the very first question would, that would happen if you were one of those schools, you'd say, how come? How come our footprint is 10 times the footprint of this neighboring school? And that, will, that curiosity will lead to change. So one of the things that social science teaches us today is that you know, it's not the absolute measurement of these parameters that make, leads to change. It's the comparison and, and a relevant comparison. So if you're a Californian and you have five times the electricity footprint of your neighbor per square foot of your house, you might say, well, why? It's not only you know, an environmental problem, but it's a cost problem. You're actually spending five times as much. Um, so um, let me give you another example. I was recently in Phoenix. Do you know that the average Phoenician uses 268 gallons of water a day? Wow. The average Phoenician. Do you know that the average New Yorker uses 78 gallons per day? Wow. Now, New York, it rains a lot, and right. Phoenix, it doesn't. You're sitting in the middle of a desert. So just imagine if you were a Phoenician and you heard that number. But even worse, if I was in Phoenix and the average was 268 and I found that I was 1,000, which is wow. actually the case in many homes, um, you'd say, wait a second, there's something, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. And how can I reduce it? So that, that, we think that curiosity will, will come to bear. So our software is focused on that benchmarking aspect. It's not on the absolute number, but we really push very hard how you compare. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can give you some examples of that if you want. Well, I, I'd be interested in knowing how your enterprise, your company, and your foundation interface with um, things that we've heard of before, the Global Reporting Initiative and the Carbon Disclosure Project. Uh, how does your company interface with those programs? Well, you know, that's a really good lead-in question uh, following from the last thought. Um, the Carbon Disclosure Project and the Global Reporting Initiative are big initiatives uh, at a worldwide level to try and create standards for, um, for measurement and uh, presentation of, of footprint. And why? Uh, because clearly there's an imperative to reduce our footprint, to, to actually produce goods with less carbon in them and so on. So in the case of the Carbon Disclosure Project, it's a very interesting idea. Um, Imagine if you're an investor in a company like um, GE or some big company like Xerox. Uh, So you're some big institutional investor and you buy into the Carbon Disclosure Project. What you're saying to GE or Xerox or whoever is that we will not invest money in you unless you declare what your carbon footprint is according to the standards developed by this organization. Now, at the moment, something like over $60 trillion worth of institutional investor money has declared that they will not invest in companies without the companies disclosing their footprint. And that's had a huge impact on creating awareness in those companies and driving the change that we're talking about. Now, where do, where do we come in is that if we, we in our software, for example, there was a single click, you can produce a carbon disclosure report. But what, what, it, what we really do is beyond that, we give you a way to compare yourself to other companies. So what will cause you to change, I mean, if you are, I don't know, Apple, and you're producing 
software and hardware and you compare yourself to another company like yourself, Sun, for example, or Microsoft, and you find that your footprint is much, much higher, which was the case with Apple a few years ago, than, than your competitors, you are exposing yourself to investor pressure. And actually, your stock price will reflect that. So what, what um, we've seen is, for example, a company like Apple has become extremely conscious of this. Take Dell as well. Um, for example, today, Apple declares how, many, how much of a footprint its, its new product has. A similar thing uh, in Germany, if you went to buy a car today, or in all of Europe, you would see a number. They would produce how many kilograms of carbon per kilometer are produced by this car. And people are buying cars on the basis of, and people are actually promoting cars on the basis of how much carbon they might produce. So BMW, for example, has a very aggressive program to show how much, how low the carbon output of their cars is compared to similar cars. Uh, so we're getting to that point where this is starting to create that change. If I have a choice between car A and car B, all things being equal, and I like both, but one is much lower in carbon than another, I'm going to be buying the lower carbon car. And that's, that message has gotten home to customers, and the way you, the Carbon Disclosure Project General Reporting Initiative is really creating standards around those measures. Now, there are some consumers who will say, hey, carbon isn't poisonous to me. I, you know, exhale it every time I take a breath and breathe it out. How ubiquitous do you feel? Now, again, this will vary by region, but how, how, how intelligent do you think the, the average consumer is? How willing are they to put their dollars behind? I mean, we realize, you know, that, that both what you were talking about in terms of the investment community, and I've seen the same thing even with the China Merchant Bank. I do some work in China to help create green business standards for the China Entrepreneurs Club, and, and they've been talking about green financing for a couple of years and, and involving environmental risk factors in as much as they would other criteria for uh, financial backing for ventures. But in terms of consumer dollars and consumers using the power of the purse, how sophisticated do you think consumers are in comparison with this group of investment investors who um, are preferring companies with a lower carbon footprint? Do you think that uh, there's a, a large percentage of consumers that will follow suit? I think it varies dramatically, and it, it has a lot to do with government leadership. So... Um, in certain countries where the government has really taken a very strong stand, for example, in Britain and in, in the European Union, the awareness around carbon is far more than it is in the United States or Canada. Mm-hmm. And in Australia, you know, it's, it, they've done a complete leapfrog. They were, you know, Neanderthals in terms of carbon three or four years ago when I gave talks there. Today, they are quite aware. Every household really knows how much water it's consuming and how much carbon. An average Australian will know that they have a seven-ton house. Mm-hmm. Um, in Britain, uh, the government's taken the extreme step of really saying, by 2016, we want zero-carbon homes. No new home will be anything but a zero-carbon home. And that's put a lot of strain on, on people to understand where, um, where they fit in this whole um, 
ecology. But, but well, yeah, that's yeah. very difficult. I know in the United States, you know, there's quite a bit of special interest pressure, especially on the part of the developer community, the building community, um, to resist that kind of government regulation, but rather to encourage that sort of consumer choice versus government regulation around those types of issues. It's very interesting. We've got to take a quick commercial break, but when we return, we'll talk more about these very important, very timely issues with Dr. Ron Dembo of ZeroFootprint.net. We'll be right back after these quick commercial breaks. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. This is the point in the show that I really look forward to. We have two awesome green teen journalists down in L.A., Marley and her brother Elijah, and they produce green news for us every week. And it's geared for kids, but oftentimes what we find is that adults learn an awful lot from them as well. So here is our green news clip for the week. 
GlobalBroadcastForKids.com presents GBK Green News in association with the Go Green Initiative. From one kid to another. Hey, what's up guys? It's me, Elijah. And this is Sean. With GBK's Green News in association with the Go Green Initiative on Go Green Radio. And we're going to get started. Under intense pressure from President Barack Obama, BP has agreed to set up a $20 billion fund for damage claims from its huge Gulf of Mexico oil spill. This deal gave Obama the most tangible success since the crisis began over 60 days ago and came after weeks of criticism of his handling of the disaster. It also eased U.S. pressure on BP, whose shared price has withered amid uncertainty over the spill's cost to the British energy giant. Obama announced the agreement after White House officials held four hours of talks with BP executives who emerged to offer an apology to the American people for the worst oil spill in U.S. history. Well, so what? The Go Green Initiative says when we were in kindergarten, we learned that if you make a mess, you clean it up. Well, that applies in the adult world, too. BP made a mess, and clearly it's only fair that they clean it up and make sure that any damage, including human health damage, is taken care of. The U.S. has suffered quite a bit lately due to the the lack of corporate accountability and responsibility, and it is good to see the tide turning in a way that will protect the U.S. citizens and ensure companies take all precautions to avoid disasters like this in the future. On June 26, people worldwide will participate in the Hands Across the Sand campaign to protest offshore oil drilling and to support legislation for clean energy. Founded by Dave Roshkob, Hands Across the Sand was originally created to protest Florida legislation that allowed offshore drilling within 10 miles of Florida's coastline. On February 13, 2010, thousands of protesters held hands over 100 different beaches to demonstrate against the Florida legislator and the U.S. Congress. Shortly after, the proposed legislation was dropped. Now, Roche Kolb plans to expand the movement on an international level. The slogan, No to Offshore Drilling, Yes to Clean Energy, pretty much says it all. Roche Kolb hopes the protest will put political pressure on Capital City to take steps to end the national dependence on fossil fuels and to aggressively pursue clean energy alternatives. Well, so what? The Go Green Initiative says that there are a couple of inconvenient truths surrounding this concept. The first is that our economy and our transportation system is not equipped to run without oil at the current time. And during a downturn economy, there isn't enough funding in the government or private sector to finance an abrupt transition to an oil-free economy. And the second inconvenient truth is that if we do not use U.S. oil supplies for our economy, we must buy it from other countries who don't like the U.S. very much. This puts our national security at risk. While no one in the world wants to see another disaster like the spill in the Gulf, we know that it is possible to safely drill off our own coast because we've been doing it for decades. The U.S. should absolutely move as aggressively as possible to the use of clean, renewable energy. But as we do so, we have to make the best possible choices about whether we spend our money on our own oil or on another country's oil. The Consumer Electronics Association and Earth 911 have partnered to make information about electronic recycling more accessible. The organizations will be developing an application for the Apple iPhone to help consumers locate e-waste recycling information. 
Earth 911's recycling directory will also be featured on the CEA website, digitalchips.org. The recycling organization will also promote e-waste recycling throughout the CEA organization, participating in events such as the CES and Greener Gadgets, a green electronics design forum that takes place in New York each February. Well, so what? The Go Green Initiative says that this app is really cool. It uses your iPhone's GPS to help you do three things. First, if you have an item that you want to recycle, but you don't know where you can do that, the app helps you find the closest recycling center that will take you that will take this particular item. Second, if you want to find green events near your location, the app will help you find them. Third, if you want to read the latest articles from Earth 911, the app will find them for you. We just have one suggestion for making this app even better. Create a share button for the articles so we can post them on our Facebook and Twitter accounts. The articles are totally worth sharing with our friends. 11 states and Washington, D.C. have created the Transportation and Climate Initiative, a regional group aimed at reducing greenhouse gas emissions through transportation improvements. The group includes environment, energy, and transportation officials from the states in the Northeast and the Mid-Atlantic. Developing a regional strategy to bring down greenhouse gases is the right idea to help New Jersey, says Bob Martin, Commissioner of the State's Department of Environmental Protection. New Jersey joined the group along with Connecticut, Delaware, Maine, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, New York, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, Vermont, and Washington, D.C. Well, so what? So what? The Go Green Initiative says what's cool about this group is that they have taken the initiative to collaborate with each other without any legislation that would help require them to. They just said, hey, we ought to be working together, and they made it happen. Sometimes... People think that the only way to get government agencies to do anything is to create a new law. But this group has formed voluntarily because they all recognize that it was the right thing to do. Hopefully, other regional governments in other parts of the country will do the same thing and start working on local solutions to local problems. Laws and public policies are important, but they are not substitute for initiatives. Leadership and Creativity some new schools that have just joined the Go Green Initiative, Sophie Charlotte Oberschule, Berlin, Germany, and Organizations, home in Mableton, Georgia. Here are some new businesses that have just joined the Go Green Initiative, Green Tech International, Colombo, Sri Lanka, and Copper Pot Catering and Rental Service in Brampton, Canada. Well, that's it for this week, guys. I'm Elijah. And this is Sean. Signing off with GBK's Green News in association with the Go Green Initiative on Go Green Radio. And be sure to do one thing a day to help a, help out the environment, like um, recycle your bottles and cans and take less time in the shower. And we'll see you next time. Till then, later. Bye. GBK Green News. Copyright 2010. Globalbroadcastforkids.com. I just love those kids. What do you think, Dr. Dimbo? Aren't they great? I think they're really cool. But it actually raised something I thought would be really interesting for us to talk about. Sure. Um, it's, uh, you know, I wonder if people, this, is, this goes back to measurement and comparison. I wonder if people in the United States realize how little, if everybody conserved a tiny, tiny amount of oil, you could have eliminated that BP platform altogether. 
Really? And that every new bit of oil, every increase in the barrel, number of barrels we need, is another risky well. So what, what's happening with oil is it's not that every drop of oil is equal. New drops of oil, extra drops of oil that we need for extra stuff is actually real dirty oil or dangerous oil like the BP um, platform disaster shows. So, for example, if every, if every U.S. citizen were to save a cup of oil a week, you probably wouldn't have needed that platform. That's very interesting. And again, without a measurement tool like the one that you provide, it's difficult for us to really get our arms around that. Because yeah, actually, I think, but that's I think the great point news. That I mean, but, the, but we just don't have, at the moment, a dashboard that we can all access to say, boy, you know, it really wouldn't be that hard if we all just conserved, like you said, a cup of oil or, you know, some measurement like that. Um, I think that would promote a lot of teamwork, a lot of kind of team spirit around environmental issues. Right now, a lot of people feel like, well, gosh, I could recycle everything that I possibly can or reduce, you know, the amount of stuff I consume as much as I can. But if my neighbors aren't doing it, well, then who cares? It's not really going to make a difference. But with dashboards and with information like what you're talking about providing, well, that just becomes a completely different scenario. I mean, our, our goal at this point in time is on every school in the United States and Canada, you would see such a dashboard that would immediately show you not only what you're doing, but how you compare. And we believe that Imagine you walk in and the dashboard's glowing red, mm-hmm. uh, and you're a parent. You'd, you'd start beating up on the, the school board and the principal and saying, well, how come my kid's school is red and the neighboring school is green? And so we make it as simple as that. That's, um, what, what, I, what I think is, though, the important point that didn't come across in what I heard was the responsibility that we bear for this. I mean, the, real, the reality is, it's our consumption of oil that's causing the, these problems. I mean, we bear a certain amount of responsibility for that BP accident in the Gulf. And people need to know that, that it's, it's you know, if, if everybody in the U.S. used as much oil per person as a Swede, you wouldn't need any of that. There's 4,000 wells in the Gulf. There's, you know, more accidents are going to happen. Well, and that is is a, a point that's so important and often gets muddled, um, you know, while we hear a lot of, you know, groups lobbying for government policies and treaties and protocols, sometimes that message of individual responsibility and individual um, opportunity, I mean, I kind of like to try and emphasize the positive, the individual opportunity gets lost in the shuffle uh, behind the headlines of, you know, what the government is or is not doing. But there truly is a role for each and every individual to play. Um, we, I, I just feel like we could do 10 hours easily of, of really great content with you, Dr. Dembo. Unfortunately, we need to take a quick commercial break. But folks, don't go away because we've got another segment with Dr. Ron Dembo of ZeroFootprint.net. So don't go away. More Go Green Radio right after this. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. 
Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. The Interstate Sportsman Talk Radio Show brings two well-known outdoorsmen to the Voice America Network with hunting and fishing info news. Talking about everything from new sporting gear, places to hunt and fish, and getting more from your recreation time. Join hosts Brock Ray and Don Kirk Friday mornings at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 Eastern, for the Interstate Sportsman on the Voice America Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. Wow, what a guest, what a show. Dr. Ron Dembo, the founder of ZeroFootprint.net. I cannot even begin to express to our listeners today how much great information you will find if you visit his website. It truly is uh, just a wealth of great information. In fact, just before the commercial, we were talking about you know our individual opportunity to have an effect on uh, reducing global carbon emissions, and, and Dr. Dembo has a great publication. It's, it's short and to the point. It's very readable on his website. It's called Kyoto from the Bottom Up, and I'd encourage you to look at that publication and so many of the others that he has on his website. Sometimes, as everyday people, we get the idea that, you know, all this carbon emission stuff has very little to do with our daily lives. You know, we get up, we take the kids to school, we go to work, we come home, we have dinner, you know, we relax, and we're not thinking about carbon emissions. But the fact is, in the very water that we drink, in the very food that we eat, carbon plays a role. And, Dr. Dembo, I'd like for you to spend a few minutes talking about the correlation between water and carbon and our food supply so that our listeners can understand what all of this talk about carbon means to their everyday lives. Um, the first thing to, to that seems to not be widely known is that there's a lot of carbon in water. And what I mean by that is, if you think, take a city like Toronto, half of Toronto's electricity bill is pumping water mm-hmm. or processing water. If you look at California, I think it's something like a third of the entire electricity usage. So in other words, for every glass of water you put on the table, you, you actually have some carbon emissions to get that water to you and to get it clean. Uh, but the same is true with food. When you use water, which is an essential ingredient in producing food, you actually are adding carbon to the production of that food. Um, so water, carbon, and food are the, the, you know, the, the three highly linked um, uh, commodities that we've been talking about um, 
And, you know, we're coming to a perfect storm where there's a real shortage of water in the world that's going to actually get exacerbated by climate change. And water shortage means food shortage or food disruption. And, you know, you can produce water by desalinating it and then, you know, using it to grow food. But that's very, very carbon intensive today. So um, this is... Everything we're doing, everything around us, really is is related to the subjects we've been talking about. Um, well, and, just and add, it's uh, so true about the carbon that's in water. It's even more true if you're using bottled water. Am I correct? You know, you, yeah, actually, you know, imagine if I put two two things on your table. One's a bottle with water, another is a glass with water. You might ask, what's the difference in the amount of energy used? to get the bottle to you or the glass to you. And in a big city like Toronto, there's a difference that's somewhere between 1,000 and 10,000 times more energy to do the bottle. Oh, my goodness. It is quite astounding uh, that that little bottle of water has a huge amount of carbon in it and a huge amount of energy to produce. In fact, there's a funny story, not so funny, but it takes two bottles of water to produce a bottle of water. That's amazing. How does that work? That bottle of water that you take, that little you know, plastic bottle of water, is actually took two bottles of water to produce. It's actually two, it's three. It's the water that's in it plus two. And 10, 000, maybe up to 10,000 times as much energy as the water that came out of the tap. Oh, my goodness. Uh, oh, my goodness. I'll well, give you another example. You mentioned send stuff by email, save trees. I heard that little... You know that in midday on a bad day in Texas, say, let's pick a state with a high carbon. If you download 100 megabytes, you've probably burnt a bag of charcoal or the equivalent of burning a bag of charcoal. That's how much carbon you released wow. by just downloading 100 megabytes. So we, what is also buried in our world today that's really well hidden is that every time you do a Google search, you are boiling a kettle of water because 5,000 servers you know, come into life and they do a search and get you this result really quickly. And those 5,000 servers are powered with electricity and they're running on on standby, waiting for you to make the query. And in many cases, that electricity is carbon intensive. Well, and I know I've I've sat down with the green guru of Google. We had lunch a few months ago. And they are very, very anxious to... Yeah, first of all, reduce the amount of electricity needed for those, uh, you know, those data centers, but also to locate them near renewable energy sources. So I know that they are they are working. That's actually the biggest part of his job <laughs> is finding ways to ensure that you know the, the, there's not a huge carbon footprint. Yeah, that very kind of information of access. You know, something that I really want to touch on before we run out of time with the show is this idea of carbon offsets. You know, there's been some mixed press about carbon offsets and, you know, even some criticism of those who use carbon offsets instead of reducing their carbon footprint where they could. Talk to us about credible carbon offsets and how they are appropriately used in you know, our lives, whether it's our company, our school, or just our individual homes. So first of all, I should say that I think carbon offsets are part of a value chain and, and somewhere towards the end of the chain. So in other words, once you've done what you can within the constraints of what you can do. Uh, carbon offsets do play a role. 
Uh, just like any unregulated new market, you get lots of slack out there where, you know, a lot of carbon offsets that don't really do anything. So it's really like the Wild West. I mean, imagine if we were sitting in Nevada and it was 1850 and I said, here's some gold, you know, there's gold under the ground. And I gave you 14 karat gold. And you wouldn't know the difference between 14 and 24 karat because there were no regulations or assaying or anything. So, so what... What we've got is you've got really good carbon offsets out there and you've got stuff that is meaningless. And that's the unfortunate part of it because I think carbon offsets play a very big role. Let me give you an example. We're working with offsets where where um, banks who are offsetting their own emissions that they can't, they can't immediately change all the energy usage. For example, take Google. Google can't immediately switch off all of its servers and make all of the electricity renewable. Right. So they're moving towards that. But in the interim, to be carbon neutral, they can actually do things that literally take carbon out of the atmosphere. And the atmosphere doesn't care where the carbon came from. So if Google takes, does an, an initiative that takes a ton of carbon out, that can offset the ton that they put in. And that's where offsets play a role. So, for example, we have banks that are helping fund schools uh, by products um, which measurably reduce carbon and wouldn't have happened had we not had an offset. Mm-hmm. So, so offsets, to be meaningful, have to have this additionality and have to have thorough auditability and, and, and measurement behind them. That's why measurement, coming back to that, is so important. If you can truly measure things, um, offsetting you know, a school's carbon emissions with some bank money and applying that to offset the bank's footprint you know, makes a lot of sense to me. Well, now tell us this. I mean, I, I, I want to give you a chance to come right to the point. If I'm an individual or if I am a CEO of a company and I say, you know what, I want to be carbon neutral, and we're going to work towards, you know, reducing our carbon. In the meantime, I want to find the best offset program, one that my stakeholders, my shareholders, my customers will believe in and will trust. Where do I go? Well, there there are a few places that that can help you. I mean, we hope to be included in that list. I mean, we are in that list. We actually help people find credible offsets that they can rely on and, and actually measurably and in, in a noticeable way show them what good they've done. Um, the big challenge with offsets is that, you know, I know a lot of people who have private jets who still fly down to New York for a, you know, a cup of tea um, and then offset the flight and think they're doing good for the world. It's, mm-hmm. That's kind of perverse in a way. But, um, but in, in the case of a bank, or a Google or whatever, um, there are a few organizations out there, and I'm happy uh, if anyone wants to write to us to help point people to valid offsets. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, what you're doing, Dr. Dembo, is is truly something remarkable, something that really could change the world. Um, I'm hoping that every one of our listeners will Tune in to your website and get more information. Again, folks, that's www.zerofootprint.net. If you have friends, a family, other associates that you think really ought to listen to this program and they missed the live broadcast, 
Do not worry. We are syndicated on the Green Talk Network, and this program will air again next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific and noon on the East Coast, and everybody in between can figure out the math themselves, but that's where you'll find us. If you go to voiceamerica.com and click on the Green Talk Network, you can listen to this broadcast once again. Thank you, Dr. Dimble, for joining us, and thank you to our listeners for joining Go Green Radio. We'll be back same time, same place next week with more Go Green Radio. Thank you, Joe. Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week.